And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Sixers just finished off an 0-4 week, including two smackdowns to the Milwaukee Bucks. Ben Simmons is out of the lineup with an illness. Joel Embiid missed the last game with shoulder soreness, and they have lost the top seed in the Eastern Conference for now. Let's talk it over. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network, here to talk to you about your 39-21 and 21 Philadelphia 76ers. How you doing, Rich? It's not that bad when you put it that way. <laughs> no, it's not. The problem is it was 30... <clears throat> the problem is it was 39-17 and 17 like a minute ago. That's better. Uh, so I guess, like, I guess we'll just start off real quickly. Do you have any thoughts on last night's 38-point beatdown to the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, that's one you just throw in the trash just to yeah. put it I put it away right away. Honestly, it's an impressive loss to the point that like halfway through the third quarter they were were they winning? They were down No, they're down one. Down one. Yeah. Halfway through the third quarter and they just get shell- I mean Obviously, the Bucks were kind of just sleepwalking, playing with their food, whatever you'd like to call it. To get blown out in that type of fashion, like I think Giannis might have had three dunks against that two-three zone, which was not putting up much resistance. I like I like Doc's quote. He was asked whether he likes his two-three zone. He's like, "I like our zone. I don't like it with the people we were playing it with last night." (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they had Mike Scott in the middle and. I mean, they had Seth Curry low, which I guess maybe they they would do once in a while. I don't know. Whatever they were doing, it was not working. And yeah, that was that was pretty ugly. But I mean, what what do you want? They didn't have Joel Embiid. They didn't have Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris is still working his way back. It uh, yeah. I mean, it was really ugly. But I I don't you went attach any long term significance. No, you went from within one point in the middle of the third quarter, like you said. To the the wrong honor the Koopo brother throwing it down on you pretty well there in the fourth. Um it was a it was it was a it was a bad it was a bad performance, but there's not much to take from it. Uh I mean that was a team that was overmatched. Like in the in the first half, they tried so hard to get just a clean, decent look. <laughs> and Milwaukee wasn't making their shots, and you sat there and you go, Yeah, but that's not gonna last. And it didn't last. Uh and then the Sixers still struggled to get their shots outside of a brief stretch there where Seth Curry sort of had his, his mid-range pull-up game going on. Outside of that, uh, they really struggled to generate good offense. Milwaukee did not have that problem. Yada, yada, yada. Blowout loss. Um, I think what's much more interesting is the implications of what this four-game losing streak mean. There's not much to take from this four-game losing streak. You started off when you had three starters out in Simmons, uh, Harris, and Curry. You ended it with Simmons and Embiid out. Analytically, 
there's not a whole lot to take from there. Um, you've got your two best defenders out, your focal point of your offense, your best passer. You're really only plus passer on the roster. I don't have any real meaningful takeaways from that. Shake Milton had decent moments here the last two games. That's nice. It would be great to get him going. Dwight Howard picked up a technical, uh, which is significant because one more technical, he gets a one-game suspension. And then he gets an additional one-game suspension for every two technicals he picks up after that. Um, now, the, the plus side is, first of all, I think there's a, a chance last night's could be rescinded. He's already had one rescinded. If he didn't have one rescinded earlier in the uh, month, he would already have a one-game suspension. But the real plus side is that that resets for the playoffs, uh, the counter resets. So he starts off at zero technical fouls, but then you start getting suspensions at seven technical fouls in the playoffs. So he will have to be on his best behavior. If they win a couple rounds, it feels like he's, he's going to be flirting with that number again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, but if they win a couple rounds, that's now a question because that was, look, I, I don't think that this past week was indicative of the Sixers team at full strength. I, I still have been impressed overall with what they have done this season, but that was a costly week in yeah. terms of seating like that. You know, we, we talked in the past few weeks, especially after beating Brooklyn for the yeah. second time, that one seed is you had a basically two game advantage. That's gone. That one seed was there for you, like, and it's important. It seems like it's a going to be a major advantage, in part because, like, look, look, maybe we shouldn't crown Milwaukee based off of that one game, but they didn't do anything that makes me think, oh, I want to play them in the playoffs versus no. the four or five seed. And they've got a real easy schedule coming down the stretch, too. Their schedule is it? basically the same. And the Sixers have the easiest strength of schedule left in the NBA. Um, the Bucks is basically the same as the Sixers, except they have two games mixed in there with the Nets, which is really important. Um, but they will they will be right there at the end of the season, I think. So that's what it's come down to. Now that you are one behind the Nets, but you do have the tiebreaker, you're one and a half ahead of the Bucks. Do not have the tiebreaker. Their uh, their margin for error is pretty much gone now. Like you said. Those two teams play each other. I assume somebody's going to have to lose those games. <laughs> Maybe there is a a stumble here and there, as we've talked about. Doesn't seem like the Nets you, care. You, you said all that, that like much. Donovan McNabb uh, analyzing the NBA. You assume one of those two teams are going to have to lose one of those games. Yeah. No, I know it, the uh, man. I when he didn't know that you could tie. That was uh, that was a tough one. So <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Garcia, baby, he's our yeah. baby. That was that yep. year. So, I think the um, yeah, sorry, you got me off track with the McNabb <laughs> with the McNabb stuff here. Oh yeah, they uh, they have a lot less room for error. I, I don't want to completely press the panic button because some people were pressing it yesterday. They have the easiest schedule in the league, but they're pretty banged up. Ben Simmons has this what the team is calling an illness that has kept him out the entire week, even. Tobias Harris, like... Doesn't look the same yet. Yeah. Doesn't look like he's all the way back. Doc admitted that after the game. Uh, you have Embiid with the shoulder thing now. It's... Yeah, it's it's the diciest time of the year, I would say, for sure. But luckily, they, they have a bunch of games at home, and they have a fairly easy schedule. So if they screw up from here on, like, they, they will have earned not getting the, the number one seed. Yeah. And the good news is the Nets do have a pretty tough schedule to finish out the year. Uh, so that team that you are now behind, a game behind the Nets, 
you have a chance to catch them because you have a much easier schedule. Bad news is, like I said, the um, Bucks have a real easy schedule. The team that is behind you, a game and a half behind you, they have a comparable outside of that Nets uh, series, a comparable schedule to yours. So they will have to actually take and and the Bucks, you know, the Bucks are up and down a little bit this year, but they are real good at that beating up on a slop in the NBA. Like they don't lose very many games to mediocre competition. They should finish out the season strong if they give a shit. The Sixers will have to play well. Um, I mean, look, they have an opportunity in front of them. They have certainly have the runway where they can beat these teams, but they have to get healthy and they have to play well. And I think going back, besides the fact that there is now a real chance they don't finish with the one seed, they could even fall to three. They're not falling to four. I had somebody panic that they're going to fall to four. They're, they're, no, they're that's not, not happening. <laughs> um, they could end up one, two, or three. But besides that, even if you get the one seed, you know, when I looked at this stretch run, you have three sets of back-to-backs in the final nine games, I thought, man, if you could just take care of business, get two or three games between you and the and the, and the the Nets, have that tiebreaker, you could rest Joel in maybe two of these back-to-back games. I don't really see that being a, being a, a possibility. Like, they are not going to pull away that much because of this 0-4 week. And even if they get that number one seed, which is right now the optimal outcome, it's not as optimal as it could have been. It's going to come with some consequence to it. Um, that concerns me as well. And also, and, and I wrote about this in my article in the recap, you have George Hill, who you're looking to integrate. You haven't really been able to integrate him because he's been starting now for the last two games. Before that, Shake Milton was starting. You haven't had him playing with your, 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 your important players. So you haven't had him playing with the people that he needs to play with. And also, now you don't have an opportunity to really see him go up against, not, not him specifically, but your rotations be tested against playoff caliber competition. You're just going to go into the uh, the playoffs with a lot less information than you could have. This would have been an important week, not only to win, not only to put some separation between yourself and the, and, and the Nets, but also to try out some of your rotations and, and, and thoughts on what you want to do in the playoffs. And that's all gone. All gone. A two and two week where everybody was healthy and they were experimenting with different rotations and things like that would have been ideal. They would be in yep. a great spot now. But yeah, there's some serious questions of if they can keep this going. I mean, you know, they have a pretty easy one on Monday against Oklahoma City, but pretty easy. Rich, they've lost like 13 in a row. Yeah, and they should win that game. Oh, but, can, you, can you imagine you know. the panic? Just imagine the panic. Oh boy, that's a log what? off a of Twitter kind of day. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You, you mentioned the back-to-backs too, and I think it's it's worth noting. I'm not sure you can compare completely blame the Sixers for this because Embiid getting his shoulder hurt, like that's not a overuse injury I would associate with playing the second half of a back-to-back. Let's just say, though, like when you have three games in four days. Yeah, you should have sat. 100%. 100%. 
and he he plays the back to back. The the back to back was a road back to back that you had no chance to win anyway. That was not handled ideally. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, and it, it's just sort of circumstantial that he ended up hurting his shoulder in that one game that we wanted him to sit. Um, but still, the logic to sit him was very strong coming into that one. Uh, and look, I get I, I don't think Joel wants to sit right now, and that's a that's a problem that Doc Rivers has that I don't. So it's easy for me to criticize. He's got to He's got to kiss the MVP goodbye. It's it's gone. Like, look, if, if Jokic breaks his leg tomorrow, maybe he'll win it. But I don't think you can bank on that. You, you and honestly, he said in a lot of his comments for and most I don't of the think year, you should, you should put your 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 title hopes at in jeopardy, pushing for something that I don't think he can get right now. And it's again, it would be real tough for him to come to the realization that I should not pursue this. I get that, but I do think it is better for Joel and for the team. If, if he does just, I mean, look, he's been saying all year, individual awards follow team success. Well, if that's the case, then like do what's best for the team winning the most games here towards the end of the season that would have been sitting on, but it, 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 that's in the rearview mirror, but I would I, like to way, see him still take a game or two off during the stretch run is my well, overall. And I, I don't know if it was the MVP that was driving him. Although let's be real. He went on a huge media tour over oh, the past week. hundred percent. The, the, Talk ramped up the whole week. That seems like it was a big deal. Now, to be fair to him, he also might have just been thinking like Ben is out. Tobias was out for a couple of games. I'm sure it's both. We need to try and so it was both, but yeah, not uh, I I'm not really playing the the hindsight game to say like play the Suns game, sit the first Bucks game, play the second Bucks game. But oh well, hey, and that didn't that didn't necessarily guarantee that they would have won. The uh, the second Bucks game, but I, I certainly think they would have been more competitive with arrested Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, I mean, to be fair, that is a one thing. Like a lot of people are like, "Well, Doc's just throwing away the one seed." Well, Doc's not telling like Ben Simmons isn't on an eleven day load management cycle here. Like that's not what's he's, he didn't it's, Tobias Harris didn't sit out because they wanted to rest him. They sat out because his knee is not right. The one thing I'll criticize Doc for is. I think they should have gotten more rest. It is the Embiid decision. Um, it it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, that that is sort of where they they stand um, going into these final twelve games. I don't want to talk too much about either the depressing state after a, a four game losing streak or sp- very specifically that game last night. I have no interest in talking about that game. It wasn't even last night. Yesterday afternoon because it was a disaster. So let's go into the listener mailbag. And we'll just start off with something related to that. Um, from JDW, what's the Sixers' record over these last 12 games, and how many do you think they need to win to get the first seed? I think the second part of that question is probably more interesting, if for no other reason, then I have no idea how many games each of the Sixers players are going to play here down the stretch. They're banged up. Yeah, it's, it's tough to predict their record. when I. But realistically, I think they should probably go 9-3 and three over the stretch run, assuming pretty good health. Uh, I think the schedule and the talent disparity between the Sixers and, and look, I haven't sat here and gone game by game, but there just, there aren't that many tough games. And the two toughest games they have left are against the Hawks and the Hawks are very likely without Trey Young, who has a sprained ankle. They'll probably be cautious with him on the way back. Uh, he sprained that, I think on Wednesday. Um, so they play them on Wednesday and Friday. That would be a week and nine days out from that injury. Very good chance. He will miss at least one, if not both of those games. Sixers have a lot of really winnable games, uh, which is why I was hoping, I mean, you could rest Joel Embiid two games and still possibly go nine and three. 
Like the schedule is that easy. That's why I was hoping they would have a two game cushion over the Nets at this point to get some rest there. Um, but I would say nine and three. Uh, and is that what they would need? Yeah, I think if they go nine and three, I think they will get the top seed in the East. But I was gonna, I was going to say ten and two would guarantee it. But yeah. I mean, realistically, like the the Nets and the the Bucks are going to have some goofy losses too, like one I'm, or two. The Nets schedule is legitimately tough. Like I, I think the Nets, especially Harden, is still out indefinitely. They are getting Durant back. I think he's probable for today's game. Yeah, uh, or he's going to play today. Yeah. Um, so they're getting, and uh, I mean, look, they might end up reeling 10 off in a row now with their two stars back. I don't know. Uh, but Harden does look like he is still out for at least a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe nine and three doesn't get it done. I don't know. They, they do have a tough schedule, but NFC season is so weird because everyone, uh, they, they've already shown they don't really care too much about the one seed because they rested everyone against the Sixers. Um, I don't know. M- maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe 10 and two is what they need. But that's, to me, that's very doable. Yeah, a lot of home games, and frankly, like the hardest games are like road San Antonio, road Chicago. These are teams that you yeah. beat without Simmons and Embiid. Beat the brakes off of both of those teams. So. Really, what I need to answer this question fully, and and shame on me for not doing my homework in this. Uh, but it's hard because you don't know who's going to play. But go back and look which one of those teams are on back to backs. Which one of those teams are on long road trips? Um, I haven't haven't done that research, so I apologize for that. I actually think that the one I don't have the schedule in front of me right now. This is bad, but uh, I am pretty sure that the the Sixers, one of those, San Antonio, Chicago, is a road back to back with the other game. So that's yeah. like not a short flight. So you've <laughs> got back to back. Here is the Sixers portion of the schedule: uh, Thunder, Hawks, Hawks at home, and again those two Hawks games probably without Trey Young. Then on the road for the Spurs, Bulls, and Rockets. Then home for the Pelicans and the Pistons on the road versus the Pacers and the Heat, uh, which the Heat game could be tough. Uh, the Heat game is tough, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, home games against Orlando, uh, two home games against Orlando to close it out. So outside of really the Heat game, Sixers should be heavily favored in every one. Um, they, need to take care, they need to get healthy and they need to take care of business. It's it's tough. I mean, like you do have these stretches during a season where you're playing like shit, and then a week later everything's clicking again. So, I mean, I'm thinking of kind of when they came back from that West Coast trip after Ben had that that big game against Utah. You know, they started playing home games and they started playing better, and they they kind of need to flip the script with their uh, with their bench and with their uh, home heavy schedule on the way here. And I think it's I think it's certainly doable. You know, this has been a really brutal week for them, but it does not feel like something that is impossible to overcome. Really, it's just can they get these guys somewhat healthy again? Like can Tobias look somewhat like himself? Can Ben reintegrate pretty fast? I think that that's a decent question on a bunch of levels, but th- that's really my my main concern really isn't how they played the past week, it's more what do they look like with their health moving yeah. forward? All right. So next one here from uh, Jeffrey Wool. Also, very similar question from Senor Talon. Would you still start Curry in the playoffs? He's been terrible and probably is a bench player in this league. Yeah, I'd probably still start him. Yeah. Um, and look, he, he is. I think he is a bench player in this league. I think if you go back and listen, when they first acquired him, you know, I think we said you've got 
two number three guards in in, in Milton and Curry. Uh, but the, you're hoping that the, I mean, first of all, you need to elevate one of them because you don't have sort of like that traditional starting caliber two guard, but you hope that the fit alongside Embiid and Simmons would be enough to elevate what is probably a bench caliber player into a starting role. And I still think by and large, you know, look, Seth has been pretty awful here since I want to say like mid March ish, like really for the last month, he's had a couple of decent games, no real great games, but he hasn't had very many highs and he's had a lot of lows. I do still think, you know, I, I, I still think that he, the teams respect that shot enough and he does enough, even when he's not scoring in terms of spacing and gravity and, and this is crucial. There aren't any real well, I mean, first of all, do I think he will start? Yes, I do think he will. I don't think Doc is going to make an 11th hour change in his starting lineup that he hasn't tested. Uh, make the depth point, though. What was that? You were about to make the depth point, though. And I, and, I agree well, and also, there's just no great option. There's no great option. Um, I mean, George Hill, theoretically, but we need to see more out of George Hill. And we're just running out of time. Um, there's not enough road to George Hill starting in the playoffs, I don't think. I mean... Shake is playing pretty bad. Like obviously he turned it around a little bit. I wonder how much of that is can be taken because they lost by like a billion in their last two games. So that's part of it. Matisse's offense is just as bad as it's ever been. I yep. mean, it's just hard to rely on. And George Hill, I think, is probably gonna play more minutes over him. Come. I think George will close a bunch yeah. of games, but I don't think they're gonna change who they start with in the first and third quarters. Especially because they kill people when they start. Yeah, and that's sort of like the the bottom line. Uh, I almost focus, think the bench minutes are more important. Yeah. Um, look, the starting lineup has like a plus 16 net rating. I, I don't think they're going to go change it right now. Um, I don't think one person struggles. And look, he's been struggling. He's been bad. Yeah. Uh, hey, I don't... I get the question. If you want to vent, hey, Seth Curry has been bad for a while now. If you wanted to just phrase it that way, I would just say, yes, I agree. And we can go home. We can stop podcasting and, and that, that'll that be it. But I, I do think like this team has a limited number of good players. I, I guess you could Who, play Cork. I guess, I, is that the, the one person I mean, you would put in ahead of him? He, he's the only one with comparable gravity for sure. For sure. I don't think he has the same level of gravity though. No, but he's the only one even close. Yeah. And in fact, in Senor Talone's question, he said, when Seth's shot isn't falling, he is a shorter, less charismatic Korkmaz. Well, he's he's definitely less charismatic. He's definitely less There's charismatic. No I completely agree that. with that. <laughs> um, Korkmaz, when you get him on like a on a road trip in a locker room, he can be a funny guy. Um, but look, in the playoffs, I think um, I think I think I think playoff teams will respect uh, Seth's shot more than Furkan's. Um, and I think Furkan has has good gravity. I, I don't want to diminish that. But I don't think they're going to make a change. Unless you get to a matchup where it's very heavily matchup dependent and Seth is just getting destroyed defensively, could be, then I could yeah. see them elevating George Hill. I don't think they're going to do it going just as a blanket going into the playoffs. So I think it would be very matchup dependent. Seth did have a good playoffs a couple years ago against the... Uh... The Warriors. I mean, it was when the Blazers made the the conference finals. Like he he was able to hang on the floor in some of those games, if I remember. So, look, am I worried about his defense in a playoff series? Yeah, but like we've kind of been through this with Reddick already. Yep. Like, I, I, I agree. Like Seth is 
probably not even as good as Redick. I mean, he's definitely not the past month has not been as good as, as Redick was on the offensive end for, uh, for those teams. Let's let, let I think the, the last couple of weeks, keep him in the starting lineup, just like the rest of your team, try and get him back to operating on all cylinders. Like we saw before he got COVID. And look, so. if he plays the next month, like he's played the previous month, I'll reevaluate this question. I'm not stuck on this answer. But as we stand right now, I don't think the struggles um, will change the starting lineup unless it's very heavily matchup dependent. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so this one from Ernie. How do the following players stack up in terms of minutes per game in the playoffs? Curry, Milton, and Hill. I think this is probably the more interesting question. So, like, with with how... Curry is playing now, I think you can reasonably say he might be third here. Um, I think I think Hill is going to be number one. Yep. And, and I guess we'll get into him in a little bit, but he strikes me as number one, and then the next two, what do you think? They're like low 20s minutes, yeah. guys? Yep. With, with, with sometimes dipping into high teens, depending on how the game's going. Uh, other times, yeah. So yeah, I no, mean, I, I, I you could you could slide Cork in there, I guess, but but those would be the yeah. Okay. I mean, those oh. are just the three he asked about. I think Cork Mines will end up being in that rotation as well. But I think this sort of like goes back to our previous answer on whether Curry will start. I think Hill is going to get more playoff minutes. Um, I think Doc is going to lean on that two way ability and getting another ball handler out on the floor. And I uh, unless Curry gets back into early season Curry. Um, but he hasn't shown that in quite a long time. What do you think uh, of Hill's defense so far? Uh, it's been solid. I don't think he's been bad. Um, but I don't yeah. think, also don't think he's a type like every now and then he will make a closeout under control and you'll go like, Oh, that's, that's a good veteran move. He does like <laughs> stuff like that, but he's not going to like stand a guy up all that often. 
as opposed to like as opposed to Maxi like jumping into yeah. a three point shooter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he 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 played a very rookie type of week, I would say. Where he, he did a decent amount of good stuff, so I don't want to get on him. There were quite in that as much. first Bucks game, there were at least two different times where he all five guys were back in transition and they mm. still somehow gave up an open corner three. And both times it was Maxi just like being completely lost in the paint. And his man is down deep in the corner. It is a, he makes a, a rookie mistake or a dozen the game. Yeah. Curry had a ridiculous gave up an open three to Middleton where I forget who was driving, but Curry, like it could not have been more in no man's land helping off the corner. Wasn't affecting the drive and the passer. And of course, he's not very big, so they threw it right over his head to an open middle in corner three. It was That's the uh, kind of stuff that just drives you insane. You lose a man in transition in the corner, or you help off strong side. It's like, what do you like? You're just you're just asleep. You're just asleep. yeah. It so so you. my my point on Hill's defense is that it's certainly better than Curry's. It is certainly better than uh, I think it's probably better than Milton's too as well. Yeah. Um. When it gets brought up, like when Daryl Morey said, okay, now we have like the, the switchable lineup at the end of games. Watching him play against, and again, this I, I think this is an instructive matchup because the Bucks basically traded him for this guy. Watching him play against Drew Holiday, there's a different level of physicality between yeah. those two yeah. players. And I mean, Drew Holiday on a couple of possessions put him in the basket, which is okay. Like the Sixers didn't give up a ton for him, but I, I just don't want to think that with George Hill, the Sixers have, uh, you know, they could throw him Simmons and Thibault out there and not the other team it looks to me like they have a clear matchup. They can attack there in George Hill among. Those yeah. He, he He's not in the grouping of Simmons and Thibault for sure. And he does have a little more. I wouldn't, he has a little more multi-positional versatility because he does have long arms. He's got long but arms. But you're right. The physicality isn't there. And Drew, that's something Drew has always always had. Drew is really going to help them in the playoffs, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are they're, they're a better playoff team. And I think a lot of people are looking at their record and, oh, well, they ran away with the East two years in a row. They're not this year. They're not as good. I think they are a better playoff team. And I do think they are doing more experimentation in their defense. I think they have... Um, I think Drew will be huge for them. I think I think they have uh, like Bobby Portis having a career year shooting from three. Like, uh, do I know if that's going to happen next year? No, but if that continues, it's going to be big in the playoffs. I think they have more shooting around Giannis than they did in previous years. I think they're going to be a real good playoff team, a real good. I, uh, and look, if if you ask me right now whether or not these Sixers would be favored in a series with them, no, I don't. I don't think they would. I don't think they would. Which is why getting that one seed is important. Doesn't mean the Sixers can't win that series, but I think Milwaukee would be the favorite. Um, you want that one seed because you can avoid one of them in the second round. The difference between playing freaking Atlanta and Milwaukee in the second round is huge. That is the point. Look, if you can play New York or Atlanta, I know New York hasn't lost and Julius Randle is like the second coming right now. If you can play them in the second round, you should win that series. Yeah, I can't say against Milwaukee, you should win that series. Now, I, I do think it's probably a little bit closer than the last couple of games have... Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, it better have shown us. I mean, the Sixers really like, they, they, again, I said this last part, they got screwed by the schedule makers with, with the Bucks. Like they're playing these games on the road. They've had rest disadvantages. So I don't want to like take too much from it, but yeah, I would favor uh, Milwaukee in that series, which like you said, that is the point. 
of this entire podcast. You have to get the one seed. It is a massive advantage for them. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be huge. It'd be huge. So that sort of like goes into our next question uh, from David Sherman, which what are your initial thoughts on George Hill? I think we probably pretty much covered it right there. Um, he is not going to wow you very many times. That's not what George Hill does. Uh, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He's uh, pretty good defensively. He's going to attack a closeout. He's going to make an open shot. He's can hit his pull-up threes when he takes them, but it's probably not going to take as many as you want him to. He's not going to create a whole ton off the pick and roll, um, but he's going to make good plays uh, when they're, they're available to him. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I, I think it's a fine acquisition. Like, again, I, he's not going to move the needle in a ton of ways, but the, the big thing is, like you said, he does not make mistakes, and there is a value to giving somebody like 25 to 30 minutes in a playoff game that doesn't do that. And uh, yeah, I wish he'd be a little more aggressive shooting that three off the bounce because it seems like it's open to him. And, and he can you know, make it I think, too. huh? And he can make it too. Yeah. Well, th- there's that. And if you look at his, uh, his volume numbers over his career, not, not a very high volume guy. We're talking somebody threes and fours per 36, which is stuff we've been screaming at Tobias Harris about. So. That's roughly what we're looking at with George Hill. And I would say even with the Sixers to start, he certainly feels like the guy who's feeling his way around. Like he's not trying to step on anybody's toes. You know, he's he's trying to fit in, which is fine. There's a a question coming into Saturday's game where somebody asked him, like, are you you surprised that people are – you know, going up to George Hill so much and asking him for his opinion and advice. And he's like, well, who else are they going to go to? Like Furkan and Shake? Like they're babies. Like George Hill has experience. Um, he's a he's a, he's a good vet. He's a he's a good piece to add, but he's not going to solve everything. Uh, he's not going to solve everything, but he's probably going to play at the end of these close games in in the playoffs. And, so. and going back to your point, and you talked about. Um, willingness to fire from three. And I think some people still look at it like, well, okay, but Tobias Harris, maybe he's not willing to shoot from three, but he's shooting 40%, whereas last year he shot 37%, so maybe he shouldn't fire away from three. Well, the goal isn't really to maximize your three-point percentage. It's to maximize your value of that possession in the half court. And there are times, maybe this is only a 35% look that, that Tobias has from three. Maybe it's not a 40% look, but a 35% look is the best shot the Sixers are going to get. So that shot might drag down Tobias's three-point percentage, but it'll increase the Sixers' half-court efficiency. And that is sort of like the the, the problem with some of these low-volume, high-percentage shooters is that they turn down shots that are better than any shot they'll get throughout the rest of the possession. And Tobias having a career year, uh, he still is. I think his, his true shooting is up at Oh, uh, shit. Hold on. It's 61, is up at uh, 60.5%. It was 56% the previous two years with the Sixers. It's, he's more efficient. A lot of that is coming because of his mid-range game has gone to another level this year. It's not because he's taking fewer three-pointers per se. Um, there are times the Sixers have a, a, a plethora of these highly efficient but low-volume three-point shooters. I'd love to see that. And look, Tobias Harris isn't going to change who he is at this point in his career. George Hill isn't going to change who he is. Seth Curry isn't going to change. You'd love to see them work a little bit more on the margins. Not that any of them are going to start firing seven threes per per game, but like one, one per game that you're turning down, I'd love to see them fly. 
I'd love to see him fly. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure I have necessarily too much more from the mailbag in that regard. Um, apologies for a down podcast. We're working with an O and four week. We're trying to tell you it doesn't it'll be really okay. I, th- I thought I thought the the level of optimism was pretty good considering we do this. You know, they based lost off four the last in a row week. and they just got smacked twice um, by the team that's chasing them. Yeah, look, what turn we that saw, frown upside down. It'll be all right. <laughs> what we saw this past week isn't too relevant in terms of how they'll look in the playoffs. No. Doesn't mean the team sucks. It does mean that there is now some practical consequences to losing those games, uh, which could impact their chance for the one seed, impact their rest, impact a whole bunch of other stuff. But they are still a very good basketball team, even if you haven't seen that all that recently, because a lot of their very good basketball players haven't been playing. So uh, we will cut it off there. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, man.